So I remember when I was in college, I was returning to school from the winter break. And I was at Midway Airport in Chicago, and someone approached me at the airport baggage claim area while I was waiting for my luggage. Back in the good old days when we didn't need to pay extra for checked baggage, if you remember those days. And this person strikes up a conversation with me and was incredibly friendly and nice. He proceeded to ask me where I was traveling from, and I told him I flew in from Boston. He goes, oh, are you a Red Sox fan? I said, of course, I'm a huge Red Sox fan. And then he tells me he's good friends with Tim Wakefield, who, if you don't know, is a fan favorite pitcher who actually recently tragically passed away from brain cancer. But I started asking him questions about Tim Wakefield, and he was sharing personal stories that he had with him. And we were having this lovely chat. And after about 10 to 15 minutes of talking, I could see my bag was coming out. So I was about to say bye and to thank him for the nice chat. But then he finally revealed what he was really there for. He turns to me and says, hey, so actually, I'm in a bit of an emergency right now. My wife and kids are in the car and our car broke down and we don't have any money for tow truck. Do you think you have about like $50 in cash so that we can call tow truck? And in the moment, I definitely had some doubts and questions like, if this was such an emergency, why did you have zero sense of urgency in the past 10, 15 minutes that we just talked together? And also, did you just arrive from a flight and did you park the car here and it broke down? Or did you get here to depart for your flight and then your car broke down? And then why didn't you leave for your flight? I just had so many questions, but... A friend of Tim Wakefield was a, uh, was a friend to me. So I proceeded to take out my wallet and I handed over $50 of cash, which was a lot of money for a poor college student. But I thought to myself, maybe he might put in a good word with Tim Wakefield about me. And so I handed him over the money and the second I handed over the cash, this person grabbed the cash from my hand, immediately turns around, walks out through the automatic doors, and I stared in disbelief as this person got into the passenger seat of a car that was waiting for him right outside the doors as it sped off into the distance. And that's when I realized two things. First, he's probably not actually friends with Tim Wakefield. And two, I think I just got scammed. And that moment was the first time that I remember someone taking advantage of my desire to help someone in a difficult situation. It was the first time someone took advantage of my generosity. And so for a while, it was really hard for me to have the same kind of desire to give and to help others. Because the question I would always ask myself is, what if this person is taking advantage of my generosity? You know, this month, our sermon series, a sermon series is titled Seeds of Grace. And last week, Pastor Brian talked about why money is so important to our souls and to the kingdom of God. And he mentioned how every gift given in Jesus's name has the potential to bear fruit for the kingdom. However, if you have had any experiences like me, where you feel like someone might have taken advantage of your generosity, it may be a huge barrier in your desire to give to God or to others. Or maybe for you, there might be a different kind of barrier. Maybe you've heard stories of nonprofits that aren't quite honest with where all their donations go. Or maybe you've been through seasons of real financial difficulty that might be a barrier in your ability to give. 
You see, one of the valuable lessons that I learned that day when I got scammed was that I learned that generosity isn't just about giving money. Generosity is actually an opportunity to be thoughtful, intentional, and prayerful in how we utilize our resources. And so as we look at our passage today, we will explore how we can become more thoughtful and intentional in our generosity and giving towards God and others. So let's read our passage for today in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 9. It says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to others. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. In this passage, we see Paul addressing the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth had previously really struggled with division and fighting. But here in this letter, Paul is trying to challenge the church in Corinth by talking about the kind of generosity that he had seen in the Macedonian church. And this Macedonian church was abundantly generous despite their own poverty. But when Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to become more generous with their resources, he isn't telling them to just give more money blindly. Paul isn't stressing here the idea of money and dollar amounts. See here, Paul cares more about their attitude in giving than their amount of giving. To be honest, growing up in the church, giving and tithing to me felt pretty legalistic because where I grew up, the offering was a very public act. If you tithed, your name appeared on the weekly bulletin. If you gave a special offering, your name was read out loud during the service. The tithing envelopes were out in the church lobby so everyone could see who was giving and who wasn't giving. And I'm sure there were some really good intentions to do so, but I think those experiences made me think that God mainly cared that we gave. That he didn't care about how we gave. It didn't matter if it was begrudgingly or if it was out of fear and shame. All I thought was that God cared that we gave. But in our passage today, we see that is not the case. Paul mentions that the uh, rich generosity of the Macedonian church came from what? Their overflowing joy in the midst of their severe trials. In the midst of very severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, it says. Paul was not saying that their rich generosity is what led to overflowing joy. No. 
It was the overflowing joy that led to the rich generosity in the Macedonian church. And what was this overflowing joy that overcame even severe trials? Well, Paul says that it came from the Macedonians knowing that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And so when we think about how we can become more intentional and thoughtful in generosity, the first step is to be filled with the joy that comes from knowing the generosity of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Generosity in giving isn't supposed to be painful or shameful. Well, yes, being generous does come at a cost for sure. The Macedonians, they were dealing with extreme poverty themselves, so it was not easy for them to be generous. But when we begin to understand the kind of generous and gracious giving that we have been called in Jesus Christ, it's about knowing the kind of gracious gift that we have been given in Jesus Christ, because that leads to joy that naturally results in generosity. Paul cares more, Paul cares more about their attitude in giving than the amount of giving, because he knows that those who have been profoundly impacted by the love of Jesus Christ will be more generous in sharing their time, energy, and resources. Because it is Jesus who, although he was rich, became poor. And although he was in very nature God, he took the very nature of a servant so that we might be able to have a relationship with him. When we begin to give out of the overflow of a joyful heart, it becomes less about money and more about relationship. Because when God puts a certain cause, a church, or an organization on our hearts to give, it's not about a dollar amount first, right? It becomes first about how can I give and care for this need. And then we think about what is available for me to give, whether it's through, my, uh, whether it's through prayer, through time, or finances. Another way we can become more thoughtful and intentional in our giving is seeing if our generosity is helping people most in need. In Romans chapter 15, verse 26, uh, we find that the kind of giving that Paul was asking for was to help those that were amongst the most poor in Jerusalem. In Acts 2, we learn about how the early church sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Giving in the church context was first about caring for the poor among us. Similarly, the kind of generosity in this letter was not just about giving to a cause that might only impact your own community. The Macedonian church was actually made up mostly of Gentiles, and they were giving money to help the Jewish people in Jerusalem. You see, giving was cross-cultural. That is why we see that uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Timothy 5 tells us that a secondary purpose for giving a servant of the church was for the sharing of the gospel. It was for missionaries and elders to do their work of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. That is why weeks like Global Awareness Week that we celebrated a few weeks ago are so important to our church. Because generosity towards those most in need and to those even outside the walls of our church are important values to Grace Chapel. 
The work that is being done by our missions partners is so important to us because they are caring for the most in need in their own respective communities. And they're sharing the gospel wherever they go. We know how important it is for us as a church to demonstrate the kind of generosity that we see here in Scripture. So just here, real practically, a way to be more intentional in our giving is to become members of our church here. Because even if you're not a member, um, I mean, even if you're not a member, you can still take a look at our church's annual report. But being a member gives you an op- more of an opportunity to have a voice in the way that our church cares for the most needy among us and for the ways in which we can share the gospel. And so if you're interested in becoming a member, you can go to grace.org membership for more information. See, next week is Gratitude Sunday here at our church. And as Pastor Liam mentioned, we'll be celebrating our 75th anniversary of our church. And side note, if you are in the area, I actually invite you to come in person to our 75th celebration that that will be happening in our Lexington campus right after our 11 o'clock service. But next week, Pastor Brian will be offering an opportunity for us to fill out cards called Seeds of Gratitude. And you can find those even today by going to our app or going to our give page at grace.org give. And it should be under a section titled Seeds of Gratitude. We ask that you wait to fill out those cards until next week, but you can take a look at them today. But what we are inviting our congregation to next week is what we call a generosity journey. Because generosity is truly a journey. There are four phases to this journey that we have identified. As I name these four phases, maybe you can pray about what step of the journey God might be calling you into this season. The first is new giving. That is what we identify as someone's first intentional contributions to the work of God through the local church. The second is regular giving. And that is setting aside weekly or monthly gifts to God's work before any other saving or spending. The third is proportional giving. That is developing the practice of giving an increased proportional percentage of income each year. The last phase we have identified is abundant giving, which is discovering the joy of going beyond tithing and giving more than you may have imagined was possible. Our prayer is that some of you might take some time to reflect on your own personal giving journey and consider what might be their next step. Because as I mentioned earlier, I think it is important to be thoughtful and prayerful and intentional in our generosity and giving. So as we close today, I want to share one story with you. Have you ever been given a really unexpectedly generous gift that you felt like you didn't earn? I'm not talking about your parents getting you something for Christmas or the friends you invited to your birthday party getting you a present because in some ways those gifts are socially obligated and those gifts may feel deserved. There is this unspoken social contract in America where if you're invited to a birthday party or a wedding, you bring a gift because the host is providing the party, the food, and the entertainment. So those kinds of gifts might feel earned and deserved. But have you ever been given an unexpectedly generous gift that you didn't feel like you've earned? See, about eight years ago, I'd applied to spend time with an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. 
And it would be a time where I receive training for three months and then serve in another part of the world, um, doing short-term missions for another three months. Part of the requirement, however, was to personally raise the funding through gifts from family and friends. I ended up writing a letter and sending it out to all of my family and friends. And so for the most part, my closest family member and friends generously contributed. $25 here, $50 there, and some even gave $100. But even after a few weeks, I was still thousands of dollars behind, and the deadline was fast approaching. I decided to post up my situation on Facebook, and all of a sudden, I got a message about a really generous gift. It was for $460. Now, you might think that this kind of gift must have come from a close friend or a relative, but it actually came from someone that I had spent very little time with and someone I didn't really know that well. I had been on a five-day mission trip with this person many years ago, but it wasn't like we had really kept in touch either. It wasn't like this person was extremely wealthy. It was completely an abundant and unexpected gift. But that, gen but that generosity didn't end there. A few weeks later, I got another message that this same person sent another gift. I went to check it out, and the amount for this gift was for $1,000. That unexpected generosity changed me in such a profound way. See, when I was unfortunately financially taken advantage of in an airport many years ago, I became less generous and less willing to give to others. However, when I was given such an unexpectedly generous gift from someone I barely knew, it made me want to give more freely and share more freely with everyone around me. All of a sudden, giving became joyful. And that is what I believe God is calling us to today. We have been given, all of us, an unexpected and undeserved kind of love and grace from Jesus Christ. He has given us new life and relationship with Him. And so as we reflect on the joy of being given that kind of gift, like the Macedonian church, would we consider radiating, radiating that joy towards God and others in the way that we give? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you have given us a beautiful, unexpected, generous gift. That you've given us love and grace over and over again. And so as we think about the generosity journey that we may be on, I pray that first, Lord God, that you may impact us, impact our lives with joy, that we would be filled with joy knowing how much we are loved by you. And would that lead, Lord God, to a kind of generosity, a kind of giving, Lord God, that you have called us to. We thank you so much, Lord God, that you care about our hearts that you see what is in our hearts. And so in our hearts today, Lord Jesus, would we be moved by you? And would that lead to a kind of generosity that we have seen in the Macedonian church? We love you and in Jesus' name we pray, amen.